Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and the new prices of the monolith are a pain in the butt. <laughs> Damn it, Paul. Uh, <laughs> All right, cool. He didn't steal mine. Go, Josh. I'm Kevin. Uh, I don't love the new GW price hikes, but I just can't quit their small boxes. <laughs> Uh, this is Potter, and the price of the new intercessors are just too damn high. <laughs> See, we didn't take yours. Woo! And I still got to say, but. Oh my god, stop. <laughs> Alright, today, on this edition of Three Minute War Game, we are talking, uh, what is the name of this game again? <laughs> it's called Don't Look Back. There you go, that one, Don't Look Back. Backside oh. Studio. Also known as Don't Check Your Notes. <laughs> <laughs> show notes who needs those we don't need no stinking show notes oh my uh, gosh. we so, write at dawn guys so <laughs> hobby progress you guys I'll, I'll start um and i painted and built the entire don't look back box <laughs> like a madman yeah uh and actually, this is a this is a very special episode because well, actually, act, <laughs> it was I was gonna make the callback for that later. To anyway, <laughs> thanks for ruining my later joke. Uh, um, don't look back is super awesome, and this episode is very special because. Paul and I actually just finished playing a remote session of the game. If you don't know, don't look back. Obviously, we're going to talk about it here, but it is a fully cooperative game. Um, and all of the player information is open to all the players. So when you play multiplayer, either each person can play a cast member or what Paul and I did is we played as a, as a duo and we just made the decisions for the four characters together. Uh, as we were moving through. So we basically played it as a fully cooperative sort of RPG style game. And, and we have it fresh in our mind because we literally just finished a game. That's yeah. awesome. Yep. So, so that's what you, that's, that's what you painted. So are we skipping hobby chat and going straight into the game? No, that's hobby chat. My, okay. well, the, I, mean, I was just saying that the hobby chat it was, okay. it was related because we just played with all my painted and built stuff. Yes. And it was awesome. That table looked phenomenal by the way. Um, between the between the cabin that you got with the game and the other river and trees and and the car rusted out car and stuff like that, it looked fantastic. Yeah, I really I really like that cabin. That was that's nice looking terrain. But TT always does really good with their terrain. Yeah, yeah, Black Sight's great with it. Yep, yep. What? Uh, how about you, uh, Potter? You've probably still been reading, huh? Yeah, I. Mm. None, none. I've been reading still, uh, like like a madman. So, um, yeah. But since since our last episode, you read a twelve hundred page book. Oh, it's only a thousand eighty pages. The twelve hundred page book is in my room that I just. Oh, that's up today. that's because you have the trade paperback. That's why. Right. Yeah, I got the big. I got the big one, not the not the mass paperback. I got the trade. Okay. So okay, yeah. that's why. Yeah. So, well, yeah. In the in a in a mass paperback, that's like twelve hundred pages. That's a lot of reading. Uh, in a week, in yeah. a week, I finished that book. That's in a, week. a whole lot. I'm I'm impressed. And I've got um, I've got Oathbringer sitting on the shelf, ready to go once I'm done with Ed, uh, uh, Edge Dancer, and hopefully I can get that done by this weekend and be ready for Rhythm of War on time. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. You have a week and a half. You'll probably finish early. Yeah, I hope so. It's just crazy. Uh, so you haven't hobbied. I didn't do I a whole lot. I did uh, – well, last week I talked about all the Infinity models that I painted. I kind of stalled out on my Sir yet, but he's sitting here uh, pretty close to done. 
But today I did paint up. Uh, I almost said Harrison Ford. I did paint up Han Solo. <laughs> I mean, close enough. I mean, um, for Legion, uh, which was super exciting. And I also got a good amount of work done on the Rebel Commandos as well. So you painted, um, you nice. painted Han today. What's that? You painted Han today. Yeah. I thought you had already had him painted. You were, I thought you were just showing him off again. I thought you had no. done already. No, I had I had like done the block blocked in the some of the main colors. Gotcha. Uh, but, yeah, but everything else I did today, like I did all the highlighting and the shading and his hair the wrong color. <laughs> um, and then I did the work on the Pathfinders and I started using the the uh, soft and, and darker tones of the uh, Army Builder, Army Painter Quick Shades and they're phenomenal. Yeah, those are good paints. Uh, especially for the the speedier route I want to take with the Legion stuff, it works out very well. Yeah. So that's exciting. But, uh, oh, and then um, I did put Carnival models on bases today. <gasps> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, that showed up at my house the other day. Um, hashtag thanks, Donald. Yeah, um, big thanks to our patron Donald or uh, Wookie Gunner. Some people may know him outside of this from different pair areas in life, different forums and stuff. Super good guy, amazing that he sent that for yeah. for you guys. Yeah, we, yeah, I, uh, it's, I really, it's, we really appreciate it. It was an awesome. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. great. So he had sent up a two player starter. So um, I got mine on bases. I'm gonna get Potter his uh, half of the starter tomorrow, and he can. Uh, get them on bases, and then we're gonna give it a go and see how it is. And nice, um, who took the guild models? I'm grabbing guild. Paul, oh, you think, do you Paul really think I'm not taking Paul. weird fishmen? Yeah, Paul, I figured Paul would take the Rasher or Rashar. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah, I didn't even give Chris an option on that. I said You're like, I'm you, taking you the get, fishmen. You get Ezio. I'm taking these fish boys. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and basically, I, basically, okay his response that. was, "I expected that." Yeah, I was like, uh, I will say the fish boys with contrast paint and dry brushing look pretty good. Yep, that's uh, yeah, the the Fisher guys. I'm I'm definitely probably taking that route with. If so, you if uh, you stick I'm with excited. them, I want to see the shark boy painted up as a street shark. Oh, the one the one with the that's, that's like hulked over the yes. giant one. Oh, yeah. no, that one. When yeah. I when when I eventually get it at some point, if Jim ever. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you stick with it, street shark, street shark. All right, we can. I'm excited. Someday, I'm going to play my painted copy. Someday, it's going to happen. I mean, one way or another, it'll be awesome. Hey, oh, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks, Donald. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Again, and every, it's so awesome. And everybody else expect a show on that some point soon because we'll have some experience. It's Boy, I've been saying soon since August of last year. So uh, we'll try and make it happen. I mean, I have a copy. You guys have a copy. You'll probably get it played before I do, um, unfortunately. But yeah, well, man, I want to play it so bad. Uh, yeah, well, you should have a, 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 but you're up in cold land, so you probably can't do we'll park just, games anymore. We'll just do a, yeah, the park we'll do a, games are... We'll do a remote session like you guys did today. 
Yeah, the, I mean, the, the well, we'll talk about why Don't Look Back works as a, a remote play game. It's harder to remote play a two-player, like a, a one-on-one game. Because, right. like, moving precisely where someone wants to and making sure they see every angle yeah. and all that stuff is harder to do. I well, here's yeah. the, Don't, well, don't okay, Look Back well, with being co-op is probably a lot easier. Yeah, I get that. But I, I, I for some reasons, I feel like Carnival might be the opposed game that that would work at but let's we'll but we'll we'll get to what my theory is on that well no wait we're not talking about carnival later uh i'm confused in my head no ah, all right no i think carnival will work because the the rule specifically tells you um that you don't have to be nitpicky about things that, that I mean, what, what, yes true true fair enough you know what it, i mean it where it's work. like it hey if work. it's going to be something cinematic you know, that, that extra millimeter or two that you're not in, you know, in range, just do it. Yeah. And I think if you're, if you and your opponent are good friends and you're like, you're, you're making sure as the person who is actually staging the terrain to communicate with your opponent about sight lines and what they could and couldn't see and being good about that, it could work. Um, yeah. All right. So Carnival is coming. Um, but topic of the show. Yeah, let's do this. I'm excited. Don't look back. Um, so I think the way we should do this is we should talk about what don't look back is. Do do our normal breakdown, right? What are the key points of the game? How does it work? Um, what are the basic rules? What's the flow of the game? What does it feel like to play the game? And then we can give a breakdown of the game we played so that somebody could actually hear in practice like how cinematic the game is. Yes. Yes. Perfect. It, you know, like a collection of a collection of rules doesn't really give you the playing experience the way that actually playing a game will. Right. Um, so let's, let's give the, the bullet points. So don't look back, uh, is a miniatures, a cooperative miniatures storytelling game, I think is how I would describe it. It is a minis war game in that, you know, you're, uh, pushing minis around, measuring stuff with a tape measure, that kind of stuff. But it's definitely more aimed at a fully cooperative sort of like semi role playing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sort absolutely. of deal. Um, so this game is published by Black Sight Studios, famous for pre-colored laser cut terrain. Um, uh, honestly, some of the best laser cut terrain in the business. You've heard our Relic Blade episode. If you play Relic Blade, they make some of the best terrain for Relic Blade and even some that is officially licensed. Um, so you should check out Black Sight Studios just in general for your terrain needs because they have lots of cool stuff. This game, though, is their first game written by Matthew Burns. Um, the rule book, uh, just, you know, just to give it, give some, some, uh, context. It's a short rule book. It's 32 pages, huge text, lots of pictures. Um, and again, the font's massive. So it's a very small, compact, lightweight rule set. Um, the game plays on a three by three surface and is got, uh, is, there's a lot of things that are not conventional for other war games. So we'll get into each one of those as we go. Paul, do you have anything you want to say off the top? Uh, no, I think I'm good on that. Cool. So again, three by three playing surface. Um, so we, I think the best way to approach talking about the game is actually talking about the contents of the box that you get. So when you buy, don't look back, it's a hundred bucks. So you're going to be looking at about a straight up hundred bucks us. Uh, and it comes in a flat 
a very awesome matte black box. Uh, and the box itself has a just a, a gorgeous cabin terrain along with a uh, well, a hatch, a, a bunch of fences, a graveyard, um, and a shed to create some of the things that you want to put on the table for playing the game. And then it also comes with seven resin miniatures, six being the cast and one being the killer. Oh, this is a good place to talk about what Don't Look Back is. Uh, Don't Look Back is a, we talked about it being a, a cooperative game, but it is a horror game simulator. Mm-hmm. So it is, if you think about early 90s slasher film horror, that is what this game is all about. So late 80s, early 90s, right? Even I think going back to the 70s for some of the the tropes and the things that are coming into this. And all the horror movie tropes you could possibly want are here. <laughs> yep. Um, and what you are trying to do as the players is guide your cast through the given scenario, surviving the killer. Um, and the different scenarios are, you know, there are different kinds of killers and we'll get into how the killers work, but all the scenarios are vastly different. Uh, and there are also expansion packs and the expansions, you guys, so awesome. They come in VHS cases. Yeah. That's totally <laughs> um, one of the coolest things yeah, about this game. The, yeah. The packaging comes in, in really, really awesome VHS cases with the minis packed inside of them. Um, the measuring widget that comes in the box is actually a uh, chef's knife that is notched out in inches. So you actually get a knife for the measuring device. And it also comes with all the wood tokens you need for status tracking wounds and fear in the game. Mm -hmm. So you get beautiful wood tokens for all the tracking you need to do, plus the wood terrain, plus the characters and rules. So, I mean, really, it's like a three by three mat and some trees and you're golden. That's what you need to play. Uh, and they just happen to sell those, too, if you need them, I guess. <laughs> just so um, I feel like I'm shilling the, the stuff. They, I promise there's no paid promotion here. We're just, you know, trying to look out for an awesome small hobby company. Okay, so now, now that we've disorganized and very badly uh, talked about some of the basic things, let's let's get into like how this game actually works. So there are some really important things in this game. The first thing is that when you set up your three by three, the table is going to be set up in quadrants uh, and the quadrants are notated as A, B, C, and D. So you're thinking about like just you're taking your three by three and really just making four even squares. Uh, And the reason that that is important is that every killer has their MO and then their visage uh, and the MO and visage combined to make a uh, sort of comprehensive set of AI actions that the killer takes. Uh, and those actions can be dictated by certain things in the table quarters, uh, as well as placement of your, what are called fright tokens and points of interest is all, and all that setup is based on the table quarters. So that's, it's an interesting way I think of, um, making scenario design because it makes it um, very easy to read a scenario and set the table out if you're thinking of it in those four quadrants. Right. Uh, another thing to note is that the game is primarily a D20, D10, D5 system. Um, so okay. it comes with D10s and a D20. Skill checks are all done on a D20, and your skills that are going to be most important here are combat and awareness 
for your characters. And basically what you do when you're making one of those checks is you look at your relevant stat, you add or subtract any relevant modifiers, and then you roll a dice looking to get under your stat. So if you have a combat eight, you roll a d20 and you're looking for eight or under or, you know, combat 12, 12 or under, etc. So think of it like infinity. I was going to say that sounds familiar. Yes, yes. It's a lot like infinity. Um, and that's the, the primary uh, means of skill checks is with D20s. And then most of the other effects in the game are based on D10s. And we'll talk about how that works. So the flow of Don't Look Back, it's a game played in three phases. So you have a fright phase, a killer phase, and a character phase. And so as you read through the rule book, it's, it's sort of weird to put everything together because it, it, it's a, the game is, is almost strange for, to read and understand the structure until you start playing it. And it, it, it's, it's, I, I, I'm not envious of them the way that they had to write the rule books. It is, um, and Paul, I don't know what, it, I think I probably presented it to you in a really clean way, but it, it, it's, it is, I think, a challenge to write a, a rule set like this. But basically, the way the rule book lays it out is it shows you how to set up a game and then it gives you the scenarios instead of the scenarios being in the back of the book, they're in the front of the book. And mm-hmm. then it goes specifically into how the game works. So your fright phase. Um, in the fright phase, what you do essentially is there are tokens on the board that are called fright tokens. Uh, and the fright tokens are non-static. They can move around. Game effects can do things with them. But basically, the, this is the way that the game establishes tension. So at the beginning of every fight phase, you roll a D10 and based on the round that it is, triggers will happen based on your roll. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the first turn, for example, you roll a D10 and your fright tokens only trigger if you roll a 10. And then in turn two, the fright tokens trigger on a six or higher. And then in turn three, they trigger on a five or higher, a four or higher, a three or higher, right? Mm-hmm. So the longer the game goes on, the more likely your fright tokens are going to trigger. Right. So what happens if – oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that's interesting. Yeah, it's a really cool way of like built – like rising the tension. Um, and it, it basically guarantees that if you haven't had the killer by turn six, the killer will turn up on turn six. Because when you roll for your fright tokens, basically what happens is you roll for each of the fright tokens that's in play. And then if you get to the last fright token and you haven't summoned the killer based on your fright token roll, that last fright token will always be the killer. So it basically in the, in some the, you're going to see you're going to encounter the killer in one of the first six turns is basically how it works out. Um, but also the fright tokens can move toward you. They can do things like flipping the lights uh, and the lights in the game can it can remove some of the fear that your characters are feeling because your characters have two relevant life stats. One is fear uh, and one is their standard stamina. All the all your characters have 10 stamina and a variable amount of fear. Mm-hmm. And then if your character ever has double their fear, it's the same as dying. Essentially, they're scared to death and ineffective. Okay. Um, so after the fright phase, you move into the killer phase. Dum dum dum. Dum dum dum. <laughs> then before we talk about the killer phase, it's actually pretty cool to talk about how the killers work. And this is actually the way the rule book does it: is in between the fright phase and describing the killer phase, 
is how you build killers and what the killers do. So every killer is a combination of three things. It's a combination of an MO, a visage, and traits. And basically every every serial, every one of these killers has one MO, one visage, and two traits. And those things combined, again, to make a totally unique killer. And what the MOs do are basically dictate how the killer comes out onto the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be that you place the killer six inches away from the most characters possible and in the open. It could be so that it's six inches away from the character who's the most frightened and behind them. It could be like uh, my one of my favorite ones is the killer MO called One Step Ahead, which says place the killer six inches from the characters and in an open space as close to the the board center section that has the most characters in it. And the character Mm. will move toward the closest character. So what that means is essentially like because of the way the points of interest work, you're generally trying to head toward the center of those quadrants. So it feels like the killer is always ahead of you. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I can see that after, after having played it, I can see that being like quite frustrating. mm Mm-hmm. And you have this creeping dread all the time as you see those fear tokens. You're like, shit, right? Yep. Like, yep. As it uh, should be in a game that's based off of a, you know, 1980s horror movie. Right. But you also like, so our killer uh, in our game, the way that he was, was programmed was to be behind terrain. Mm-hmm. Like it was called just out of sight. So it was basically like, look at all your characters Find the one that has the lowest tear and where you can place the killer behind a piece of terrain. So he like lunges out of the terrain and scares the shit out of your characters. That's cool. Yeah, he was very Jason-esque. J- yes, Jason-esque is the way. And that is what it was. It was the, so like our killer was designed to be like Jason. To be Jason, the, gotcha. Um, and then you have your visages. So your visages in the in the core book are mundane, mutilated, and familiar. And these visages, what they do is they tell you how many wounds the characters have, what special thing your characters get when they drive the killer off. Because you can't ever kill the killer in this game. All you can, all the best you can do is make the killer go away for a turn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they're not killable. Um. And then also what their attacks are. And they're super cool. Like, just as an example, I'm going to talk about the one we didn't play because we're going to talk about that probably as we describe our game. Um, but the mundane killer, as an example, here's a, here's a cool thing. So the attacks, it says revolver. The, mon- the mundane, and, and also that every killer has multiple attacks and special abilities and they resolve in a specific order. And so that's important. And the way that mundane works is revolver. Mundane killer will only target a character with a weapon with this attack. This attack can be used while the killer is in base-to-base contact with another character. And it's basically a range 12 revolver. So what this character is doing is like looking at... He basically... Because his next attack is called Strangle. So what he's doing is he's got his, his his hands around the neck of the character directly in front of him. And mm-hmm. he's looking for any of their friends with a weapon and shooting a gun at them. Huh. Okay. So that it's just so cool the way that it like, th- you know, if you think about that horror movie character, right? He's like got someone up against the wall holding their neck and simultaneously like looking over at the guy with the baseball bat and shooting a gun at him. 
Uh, and it leads, it makes these like really thematic uh, feeling killers. And then also the killers have traits and there's basically 10 traits um, that roll from like you add two inches to the killer's movement or any character that activates within line of sight of the killer gains terror because they have dead eyes or the character is supernatural. So at the start of the killer phase, it always heals one of their injuries um, or they're armed and dangerous, which means every time a character gets injured, that character takes additional injuries from bleeding until one of the other player characters takes a heal action on them. Um, and so when you take these MOs, right, because there's the six MOs or five, sorry, five MOs, three um, visages and 10 traits and you roll two traits, you have this like huge variety of the way the killers will act. Uh, they aren't all necessarily like specific, right? So you can kind of make a killer. Exactly. So the six, the six scenarios in the thing is that you have a themed killer. And all of the six scenarios give you a theme killer, but the game encourages you to create your own scenarios. And it also basically says that if you don't want to play with one of the themed characters, instead of playing with one of the theme characters, like for us, we played, our mission was called the escape and the theme killer was the Lakeshore killer, AKA Jason Voorhees. Uh-huh. Jason, um, right. And it, you can always, instead of that, when the, when the killer would first be revealed, you roll a D10 and as a D5 to create their MO. And then you roll a D6 to find out their visage. And then you roll in a D10 twice to find their two traits. And you get a random killer that way. That's fun. So you're not going to know what the killer is until it shows up. I like that. That's, that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, super cool. And the, this, we should just, for a second, I want to talk about the, the six scenarios that come in the book, or at least a couple of them, because the one that we played was definitely like, find the keys and run away from Jason and get away in the truck, right? right. But there's also one, what my favorite one, and the one that I want to play next when we play Paul, is mm-hmm. Well in the Woods. Um, and so the Well in the Woods, the MO is lunge and the visage is disjointed. So is this like um, the ring? It is the ring. <laughs> you start at the well, and then the whole scenario is trying to stop the curse. Awesome. I'm in. Uh, and I actually have a Malifaux mini that's going to be the killer. It's perfect for it. Um, what's her face? Oh, it's Ogaharu Batari. It's the henchman okay. for Asami. Awesome. Perfect. Yep. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, that, you know, like the, the level of like, uh, creativity that you can have and the the randomness of the killer can really really um make it awesome yeah now uh we haven't even talked about the killer phase right but what the killer does is is so once you get to the killer phase if the killer is on the board um you move the killer so that's a d10 roll and then the character the the killer moves that f- close to the nearest or the character according to its targeting priority for the mo and then it gets plus one inch for every terror on the target and additionally an extra two inches if the character tripped. Because a thing we haven't talked about in the character, because we haven't talked about the character phase yet, is there's like all sorts of bad things that can happen to your character while they're oh, moving around. Oh, yeah. As yep. it should be. Um, 
and we don't need to talk about all the rules just to know that there's like there, there are there are like the concept of lights and lights are it's good when your characters are in the light and bad when they're not but it's also hard to keep light active and the, and the lights typically flicker as they mm-hmm. should in a horror movie right so so i'm just going to interject here now so I am not a fan of horror movies of the old variety, new variety, or anything like that. So all I know of horror movies is tropes. I will tell you right now, just me listening to you, never playing this game, and just listening to you explain these phases, this sounds exactly like the tropes I know of a horror movie. These guys have done a great job. (laughs) I just want to interject there and just say as someone outside, not a fan of this genre... I am intrigued at how well that they have stuck to these tropes uh, well, and our, done such a good job. Our work here is done. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and also, <laughs> we should note that Chris didn't know anything about this game before we started talking. I yeah. I know nothing. I've never. I haven't looked at the rules. I have barely yeah. looked at the models. Uh, so I know that it's based on horror movie tropes. Um, That's all yeah. I know. So basically, the killer. Right. We're getting back to the killer phase. The killer moves toward the the characters as it should, and then it takes its special actions and its attacks, um, and then it moves on to the character phase. And so, in the character phase, basically, what happens is each one of your player characters, and you have four per scenario. The game comes with six, and the way that it encourages you to pick your six is to either choose them or roll a d six, and each of the characters is numbered. So you roll a D6 until you've rolled four separate numbers. And those are the four characters you bring. And now a character in the game gets two actions per character phase. You get uh, It's two quick actions or one quick action and a long action. Um, but let's just talk a little bit because there's a, there's a, I don't think we'll, we, we, we won't have time to talk through all of the actions because there are a ton of them. Mm-hmm. But just some examples, right? It's moving. It's uh, it was an action called "Let me take a look," which helps you like patch up one of your uh, fellow player characters. There's kick it in, and so this is how you break into lock, like kick open locked doors. Which again, horror movie trope, perfectly banging on a locked door with your foot until you kick it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, oh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later in Arnie. It was so fun. Anyway. Um, you can stumble away from the killer and, oh man, this rule. I didn't realize how fun this was going to be until it became so relevant in our game. Because um, you can't move away from a killer when a killer is in base-to-base to you. You have to take the stumble away action. Um, and so basically it's the character makes a two-inch move directly away from the killer. And then after the move, you have to make an awareness check, which is rolling that D20 and uh, rolling under the thing. Now, let me tell you. You, have, you can have an awareness 12 and fail this three times in a row. How do I know this? It happened to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor um, Maxie. Poor Max. It's But it's so great. Um, you can uh, make snapshot actions, which is the only way you can take two uh, shoot or melee actions in a turn. And the snapshot actions are at a heavy penalty. Um, and these are, actually, these are short actions. And then for long actions, you can do things like a search um, and if you if you successfully search, this is how you find items and weapons in the houses and out in the open. Um, you can investigate and investigation is all based on points of interest. Um, you can take range attack, melees, melee attacks and do things like revealing flight fright tokens, which basically allows you to pull a fright token off the board. Um, 
So it's pretty cool, like the like amount of player choice that you have. It's it, it, I think in a lot of games like this, it's really easy to feel like you don't have a lot of player agency, but the game gives you a ton of it because there's like so many different things you can do. Yeah, it it does. And I never felt like, oh, if only I could do this, right? Like all the options were were fantastic for for what we were trying to do. Yeah. Definitely. Like you absolutely feel like you get to do the stuff um, that you want to do and that you would do in a horror movie. And I was just going to say that. And they all felt appropriate to the genre. Yep. Um, so a couple other things that are fun are is your character can trip. Um, oh, so, boy, can they. <laughs> uh, basically, there's a one of the concepts in this game is fear. And as soon as you've taken fear, if you move, move, if you move twice, you always have to take a check. Uh, and you can trip. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's bad news. And if you trip, it basically means the killer moves faster toward you. And you have to spend one of your next quick actions to stand up. Right. Uh, also noted, there aren't many terrain rules in this game. Um, you basically define what's called area terrain and what's called difficult terrain. Difficult terrain halves your movement. And area terrain is one of, in my opinion, the core like heartbeats of the game. Because whenever one of your characters either rolls within two inches of area terrain or moves into a new room or through a door or window, they have to t- they have to roll on a jump scare table. <laughs> uh, and the jump scare tangle can do anything from like making the lights flicker in the area. Mm-hmm. It can give you some terror. It can allow you to remove some terror. Uh, but the worst thing that can happen and again, relevancy for us in our game is you can roll a one and that immediately summons the killer into base to base contact with the character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no Especially boy, no. on turn no good. one or two. Turn one or two. Yeah. It was real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. We that's a bad luck there. But every time you're moving past area train, you're tempting fate. And it, I think like as a person who's setting the game up, like I always try to make the game as dense with area terrain as possible because like that's the, the part of the game is the, the fun, the fun of like the kind of a like random nutty shit that happens to you while you're playing. Um, and then from, and we've talked about it for the most part here. Now your character takes the action they can. You also have a stat called luck, which allows you, and we actually never used any luck. Luck allows you to remove terror or heal injuries or reroll skill rolls. And boy, we probably should have used some luck, Paul. And we didn't probably, (laughs) um, but yeah, you can, uh, you can open doors and windows. You can do all this stuff. And, um, Basically, what this does is that when you combine this with the scenarios, and just for an example, I'll go ahead and read one. I'll read the one we played, and then we can talk about our game. This is how we'll transition nicely into talking about how this game actually feels when you're playing it. Yeah. So we played the escape. Uh, and the way the escape works is in that that table quadrant A, you set up this huge cabin. And I mean, and I mean huge. It is like a nine inch by nine inch piece of terrain. It's massive. It has a removable roof with five interior rooms, uh, as well two as floors? a two floors. It's got an attic floor as well. Uh, and the roof pops out so that you can move characters around in the roof. Um, it is a spectacular piece of terrain. Now, on the opposite corner, you put a car with its headlights on. And then you mark a bunch of stuff, a bunch of points of interest on the board. 
And basically what it's saying is you hike down to the lake's edge to meet your friends at their cabin. When you arrive, you find what's left of them strewn about the site. It doesn't seem like an animal could have caused this sort of carnage. You see your friends four by four up the road. Now you just need to find the keys. They must be in the pocket of one of these bodies somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Just go. Just go rummage around your dead. And that's what. Pockets. And that's so, what you okay. do. You, the, this this scenario okay. is that you go and you search all the bodies trying to find the keys, and then you get the hell out of there. And that's the so. And the objective is like you know you you you're and it's crazy like the way this one works. Like every scenario has a different way of like putting fright onto your characters. And in this game, it's that you the first three turns of the game, everybody gains a point of terror because you're like basically uh, walking onto the site of a massacre and seeing all these bodies, and it causes you to be super frightened. Yeah. And so by the by the time the killer comes on, you're supposed to have a bunch of fright built up, but you know, we we didn't get so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of fright, we had a killer. Mm-hmm. All right. So and then in this This is why y'all's game went so well, fast. Well, we actually won. We pulled it out. Um not not without a casualty. But well, we, we made still it. we still played what, 10, 11 of the fourteen? Ten rounds. Yeah. T- ten of fourteen. Yeah. We we won on turn ten of fourteen. Um, and we also got lucky, right? So the way this game works is, or the way this particular scenario works is you've got one point of interest token in each room of the house and then an additional four outside the cabin. Um, and when you roll up to one of them, you make a, you can search the, the point of interest, uh, as a quick action and you roll a D20 and basically it's on a 19 or a 20, you find the keys. And if you don't find the keys, okay. you get plus one for every one you've already searched cumulatively, right? Because you're like basically searching the bodies, ruling them out as the person who has the keys for the truck. Right. So the first one you check, you need an 18 or, or 19 or a 20. The next one you need 18 or 19 or 20. Then 17, 18, 19 or 20, right? And we happen to find the keys on the fourth search. So yeah. – um, finding it on the fourth out of nine was pretty lucky. Yeah. Um, and the ninth yeah. search is always the keys. That's the thing, right? So like it's the five or no, it's actually six because there's one in the, in the, in the, in the attic too. So it's 10, but we found it on the fourth search rather than having to search all 10 of them. Um, thank God. Oh my God. Jeez, we wouldn't have yeah. survived. I know, right? Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, we were really close to to th- three or four other ones, but That's yeah, you're true. right. It was it was perilous. Um, and what happened to us, right? Is we basically well, busted we, out of the wanna, scene wanna, and like, like a- turn one, turn one, uh, the last activation of turn one, we uh, summon the killer with a jump scare launch. <laughs> do, we, do, do Kevin? Do we want to do like a little more detailed to? to show how narrative this game is. Yeah, dude, you took some notes. Go for it. Yeah, so and 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 I guess uh some of the major events as as going through and and to give you an idea of exactly how narrative this game comes across, right? We moved our uh, our first activation of the game, we moved Seth. Right? Cuz he's yes. super slow, so we figured we'll start moving him. Right? Mm-hmm. So he moved up and he came into within two inches of a tree. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So we had a uh, roll on the jump scare. But what we rolled was laugh it off. Right? So that's yep. like in the horror movie where like something happens and they're just like, oh, haha, it's just a squirrel. Yep. Right? And then after that, the next guy we moved was Mason. Holden. Who, Holden. Sorry. Yeah. Um, James Holden. And so he <laughs> he creeped up to where Seth was. So he was near those same trees. Uh, so we had to roll on the jump scare table for him, but his was, was called tapped on the shoulder. Right? So it's like when somebody's looking and they're scared about what's behind that tree and then their friend comes up to them and pokes them on the shoulder and it's like, hey, it's just me. We're, we're fine. So the way that narrative t- told the story is that Seth walked up there, saw something in the trees, checked it out, and then comes back around Holden and is like, hey, here we are. We're good. Exactly. Yep. And that is exactly how the first two activations worked out. Right. right? And, it, and, it, and it creates that such a strong narrative while you're playing it. It was fantastic. Like everything we did, I could just visualize it, it happening so well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then now, now that I'm thinking, I think I'm, I'm remembering how it actually worked. It was turn two, right? It was turn two in the fright phase because what ended yes. up happening is we, we got everybody up into position and then we, we rolled to see if we were going to roll for fright tokens in turn two, which is really low odds. But of course that was our odds. Yep. And we rolled to hit the fright tokens. And then basically what happened is the fright token that was closest to our characters became the killer. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. rolled the you rolled the one oh. on that right away. Yep, yep, right away. And he he Ouch, rolled right sucks. up on us right away. And and the other um, thing too that was really cool and and going back a little bit here, Kevin, is that like even just the characters looking at who they were, um, you could just start knowing a little bit about the story anyway, right? Like we had the baseball playing jock and the cheerleader, who obviously in my brain they're dating. Sure. Right. And then you have the nerdy guy that, you know, was out. The cousin. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For whatever reason, had like she had to bring her along her dorky brother or whatever because her mom mm-hmm. made her. And then you had Holden who was like, you know, the, the you know, maintenance man at the at the camp or whatever, wherever they were. You know, like to me, he was kind of the, the older guy with the gun being like, no, we're going to get you out of here. Yep, exactly. Um, and so when, what ended up happening on turn two, right, is that we got a little bit lucky because the killer came out uh, of a fright token and then we rolled real low on his movement. So he like basically ran out at us from the trees and our killer's uh, visage was such that any character that could see him got immediately frightened. So we got a bunch of additional frightened tokens as this dude came out of the woods at us. And then we... Uh, like basically the next turn, right? If we talk about it, poor Seth, the nerd is like searching his pockets frantically and finds his phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, while he's like searching for his phone, Holden pops a shotgun blast into the killer and Max rolls in and smacks this dude in the face of the baseball bat. Yep. Yep, and Alice was making herself useful by digging through the pockets of a dead person. Yeah, and exactly. And we were basically <laughs> what happened is we were like, Oh shit, this is who did it. Alice, move up, find the keys, find the keys. So she, you know, we, we had the killer coming at us and she was like running away right. trying to get to the keys while we were dealing with a psychopath with a hammer. Right. And Seth is 
trying to call somebody on his phone. Yes, and Seth is now like, oh, God, oh, God, guys. <laughs> uh, and, and mechanically how it worked is we took a search action with Seth, ended up basically knowing we found an item, and then the item we rolled was a phone. Yep. Um, and so that's how it, but we, you know, but it, it not, you know, if you think about it narratively, he always had the phone, right? right? It was just like he was trying to search his pockets for the phone. Yeah, or, or like he got – that was the spot he got reception in. Or, yeah, or like he had dropped his phone and he was like scrambling to get it. <laughs> and that was what took the time. Yep. Yeah. And and he and, and the way that this works out is that you can call a supporting character in. And what we did was we called the supporting character and the supporting character back basically walks in and takes the attention of the killer. Yep. Um, we so got- we used we used this person to screen our advance toward the cabin to find the keys. Yeah, sorry, Ranger Sally. <laughs> yeah, poor Ranger <laughs> Sally. She got her ass whooped. <laughs> oh, but she was but she but she did the right thing, right? She came to help out the kids. Yep, exactly. Um, and then basically she tanked the killer for two turns and then got her ass beat. Yeah, well, uh, she t- she took one attack. Oh, one hit, right? And then it was the well, but that, that's really tanking for two turns, that's right? Because okay, yeah, the yeah, two attacks. And this is this is the no, this was the, the ranger, ranger that Seth, that called, Seth in. called. Oh, the ranger, the ranger. I was, I was about to say that's, that's no. Cheerleader. What the cheerleader was doing in the meantime was kicking in the door to the fucking cabin. Yeah, so so you so you have to, to to get into a locked door. You have to roll on a chart, and this is what's happening, right? It's like the killer is advancing on us. We're like moving backwards. Holden is pumping shotgun blasts, and, that was, and we, that was the round when Holden completely whiffed, right? Or no, Max yeah, yeah. completely whiffed. Max completely whiffed by the baseball bat, and then so did Holden, right? Holden right. tried to shoot a shotgun blast, and completely. I mean, we rolled a twenty, which is like the furthest from his <laughs> his combat value we could have rolled, and then he had and, to reload. And then he had to reload his damn shotgun. And all the time, the cheerleader is like searching bodies and, you know, and just beasting it, man. She and she made it to the cabin first. And her first attempt, like she has the cheerleader has one of the worst combat values in the whole game. And first attempt to kick in the door, man, she just busted that thing wide open. Yep. Dude, she don't need no man. Hell no, man. She just kicked that door right in. Um, and what ends up happening is Holden blasts our killer and, uh, you can do what's called driving the killer off, which basically gives you a turn to catch your breath. Uh, and Holden finally connected with a five damage shotgun blast because the, the, the damage of the shotgun is random. It's like a D5 amount of damage. And we rolled the additional five damage we needed to drive him off. And while he was driven off, um, we were able to find the keys. Alice was able to find the keys in the house. But the the important thing about that, though, was when it happened, right? Because that was our yeah. first activation of that turn. Mm-hmm. And we had figured out what we were going to do in multiple steps to try and search the most amount of interest points. Yep. But we, we nailed it on the first one. So then we were like, we got them. Run. We got to run. And so Max has this ability. That our, so our jock has an ability called Baby Blues. And what Baby Blues allows you to do is target a female character and give them a free move directly toward him. <laughs> so, so your eyes. Are yeah. So, so we moved Max in front of the door and flashed the Baby Blues over at Alice to get Alice a little bit further out of the house. <laughs> So that we could get closer to the car faster. And the rest of the game was this 
perilous run from the cabin back to the car, right? As like all these teenagers are like, oh shit, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. And we're like running as fast as we can. Uh, and I think the most dramatic part of this is that, uh, that, that Alice is like, please, Max, please, you have to save us. And Max just bolos up, man. Like, man's up, gets up to the killer, tries to like. Wait, wait, though, but, but the killer, the killer is off the board, right? So first he pops out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because now we're at a point where he's going to pop out. He pops out near Max, Mm -hmm. charges Max down. Mm -hmm. And it just becomes an all out brawl. You know, like it's one of those situations where Max is like, go, get out of here. You got the keys. Go. Go. Yep. And so what we're doing the whole time and the plan, the plan, you can't see me air quoting. (laughs) (laughs) The the plan is to take the action to take that like two inch dodge away from the killer and then run. Right. right? So they can put. Right. So that we can put seven inches between us and the killer and hope to roll low on the killer's next turn so that he doesn't catch up to take another swing. Only every single time Max trips. Yeah, he tripped every time. But but narratively, he had already had taken a few swats from the killer. The killer. And right. here's the cool thing is the killer has to take combat rolls too. And so in our scenario, the killer's combat value is 15, which means it's basically like three out of four times he's hitting you. Right. Or 75% chance, right? He's going to hit you. But the first couple swings, man, Max tanked him. Because, yeah. like, you know, the killer would roll, like, a 17 and then a 20. And the way we were, like, describing that is, like, Max is just, like, you know, blocking the hits with his bat or whatever. Um, but Max keeps, like, tripping and backing up, right? And he's just, like, swatting away. But, uh, unfortunately, last turn of the game, everybody's at the car, right? Like, all three of our other characters are at the car, like, screaming for Max. They're like, yeah. Max, come on, you can do it. We're using Alice the cheerleaders. Alice has got, like, the keys in the car, you yeah. know, it's running she, at this point going, come, like, on, come, come on, come on. She's got a megaphone. We're like, come on, get out of there. Uh and he tries to take one more desperate runaway, trips, and the killer basically runs up on him and crits him and kills him. <laughs> yeah. But but the scenario was that we had to have three people. So at that point, we moved the final two characters into base contact with the car and just got the hell out of there. But Alice didn't um, have to watch her boyfriend die. But Alice had to watch her boyfriend get his brains bashed in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so that was a game of don't look back. Yeah, it um, was, and it was so fun. That is crazy. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know about you, Paul, but I'm like, man, we got to like figure out how to get another game played this weekend. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm on board with that. I am totally stoked and ready to go because it was so much fun. It was ridiculous fun. Yeah. Um, and it- it's definitely like so. The way I was thinking about it is like it's the beer and pretzelsist game that ever beer and pretzels. But, <laughs> and and it is because because since it's all cooperative, right? Yep. You're not worried about the you know you're not worried about the millimeters. You're not worried about oh what do I do next? And it, it, it and you're talking it through, especially especially the way we did it, where um, you know it was mostly group discussion as to what what we wanted to accomplish. Right. And also like uh, it, you don't really like it. Winning this game isn't all that important. Right. Because <laughs> right? it's really like even if even if your characters get slaughtered, it's still a fun story. It's a storyteller. 
Right. Right. It's just a horror movie where the killer kill it's Jeepers Creepers, right? Like yeah. everybody fucking dies. Yep. Yeah, no, it was it was great. It it really was. It was a lot of fun. And I was shocked at how quickly the narrative started being told in through the, the mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Through the mechanics and and you know, even just being like like our our instinct to be like, oh, this is what's happening, right? Like we spent so much time just being excited about how it translated to a movie scene. Yeah, and that's and that's really great because the turns are snappy. Yes. Oh, they were very quick. Yeah, the turns are super fast. And the, the cool thing with the turns being like the it being quick to play is that you have that time. Like we had like basically in the time it takes to watch a horror movie, played one, right? Yeah. Yep. And that and that was you know, that was also with the disadvantage of, you know, everything being at your house, mm-hmm. right? And dealing mm-hmm. with the internet and talking yep. that way and being like, oh, what, what's that die say? Can you show, you know, tell me what it rolled. <laughs> yep. um, so, so, and, and, you know, and, and we had the scare cam so we could see the, the table and all that. So that worked out well. But the, the other thing too is just that um, it felt like there was a lot of tension in the game. Oh yeah, right. Definitely, and, and it built, you know, and, and and those last couple turns of running, it was like you're I like was cheering, cheering them along. Yeah, yeah, you're like cheering for them. You're like, come on, guys, you can make it, right? Because because as the as the like like guiding hand, you understand all the the ways that it can go wrong, right? And 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 <laughs> your your excitement every time you rolled. You know, oh yeah, like, you could like hear me hooting and hollering. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm sitting there going, "Wait, what was it? What was the number?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Woo, we got it. We rolled right on the number." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there was a lot of fun. It was just just a straight up good time. Like this could be like an awesome party game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah I, so I, I like after playing games, I, I want to like next time we have our local convention in Madison, I just want to run it because you get free admission if you run like 12 hours worth of games. Oh, there you go. So I just want to oh, run, cool. you know, like four or five sessions of this game. Yeah. The, the next time. Because like you don't like it, it, it doesn't, you know, you can have as many people like it, it could be like six people. Right. But, you know, I oh, oh, it's just so fun, man. It was so fun. Yeah, because no one, no one's taking on the role of a character, so it's like you all are deciding what that one right. character Right, or you could. You could does. say, hey, roll this dice. Whatever number you, you roll, you take game. this person, and this is the character you'll control for the game. Yep. Right, but yeah, when you go to that like Halloween party, you bring this, and you've got like 15 yeah, friends and or whatever. Just, like, all it's just, can just everybody chill. like, oh, God, what's going to happen, right? Like, do this, let's right. go. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, like there's no reason you couldn't have a huge group of people around a table playing this game. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm real. I'm really impressed with it. I really am. Yeah. It sounds like you guys had a, a ton of fun. I, I wish I would have been able to next time. To join. Next time. Um, next but time. I do want to like talk a little bit about like, cause it, you know, it's, it's all done basically by this one small company. Right. So, so again, Blackside studios, you go to their site, you buy the core game, um, but then there's also a play mat you can buy. Um, a, a, a thing to note is that the killer that comes in the box is a multi-part resin kit that has multiple head weapon and a severed head option that it can carry in its other hand. 
Um, so the game actually would, you, you can be encouraged to buy multiple and you can buy the killer. Like I'm intending to buy one. And so I, I basically painted mine like a baghead, like prison escapee, but I'm planning to get another one and model it like Mike Myers. Right. So it has like the chef's knife and the, that like nondescript white mask. Mm-hmm. Cause that is also one of the options for the head. Yeah. That nondescript William Shatner mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the inside out William Shatner mask. Yeah. 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 Um, but also, you know, I have the attack of the grays and I, I ordered a, uh, 12 inch toy UFO from Amazon that oh I'm waiting God. for. <laughs> to I want to play it. that one so bad. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, that may be what we play this weekend. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can, maybe we can stream it. Yeah. That'd be fun. Uh, but there's also like, a a crazy train, like a hobo train killer with a chainsaw. Um, and there's like a pumpkin King with a scythe as a killer. And they're going to be coming out with more killers and heroes and supporting the game. Um, so you can really get a lot. Uh, also again, worth noting any moderns that you play. So any modern miniature games that you play, this game has a, uh, very good assortment of like woodsy and cabiny terrain. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're getting enough stuff in that in that $100 box to be able to contribute to other games you play. For sure. Yeah, the cabin is great for all sorts. I mean, if you play oh, like... in the like, well and stuff like that. Yeah, nice. the, the well, shed. the shed, everything, man. It's just good, all around good terrain. Um, and plus, you know, the, it comes with like a couple dozen tokens that are a blood drop on one side and a skull on the other. You can use those for like wound tokens in any game. Yep. Um, yeah. Also, the uh, 12-inch measuring knife. <laughs> worth worth calling out how cool it is. Now, honestly, you should go and look up the game just to see the knife measuring widget. It's so rad. Especially your golden um, one. I mean, to me, the best part is just the, the VHS tape Oh, dude. Tape the v- so, and and the, the coolest thing is like the one, the characters one, the one that – so one of the VHS tapes actually comes in the core box. Um, and the one that comes in the core box has like battle foam in it. That has spaces for the characters and the killer in it. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. very cool. So it actually is like a carrying case that for them after you've built and painted them. Kind of like one of those like blue, was it K cases? I think they're yes. called. Yeah, yeah. Or like a Feldhurst style case. Yeah, it's like, it's, right, um, yeah. it's really nice. It's just a small little VHS case. Again, it's got six wells for the characters and then one bigger well for the killer. Hmm. Um. But yeah, man, don't look back. Final thoughts. Like this is a riot of a game. Like I have been waiting so like, A, I've been waiting so long for a cooperative war game that really works. And B, I love horror movies. So this game is like <laughs> perfect for me. Um, and I, I love it. I couldn't endorse it a strong enough. If like any part of what we talked about excites you, like I can, um, with like no, uh, reluctance recommend it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I'm clearly not the horror movie person you are. Um, but however, I do like cooperative games and I do like games that tell a story and this really scratched both of those itches. Oh like, yeah, it's like it, it's like a it's like a playing a single it's a one-shot RPG without a DM. Actually, actually what oh. it is, Kevin, is it is the Arkham Horror card game but easier to play. 
<laughs> I yeah, I'm, I don't know if the de- the design space is quite as big as the Arkham Horror one, but it it is it the the thing that this game has over Arkham Horror is the uh the like visual aspect. Yeah, right? I just I felt like I felt like some of it was very similar to that with the, you know, the AI and you know the talking with your opponent or your 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 pl- your, your your partner person. Your, yeah, whatever, yeah. your um, and, and figuring out what you're going to do felt very similar. And, and even just some of the mechanics of like the, the dread building, uh, yeah. throughout the game. Right. And knowing that bad shit's going to happen to you, um, <laughs> which, you know, is instrumental to anything of the Eldritch horror series, but you know, it's, it's, it was great. I absolutely loved it and it played really quick. Yeah. Uh, I still can't believe we played 10 turns. In an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With a rules explanation at the top of it. Yep. Yeah, because I was about to say, you guys said you were starting about 8 o'clock, you know, Eastern time. And, you know, I think we were on to record by, you know, 920, yep. 930. Yep. Well, we got we got going a little bit before 8 our time. Right. But then I also imagine, you know, mm-hmm. there was rules explanations. There was, you know, just, you know, shooting the breeze Getting kind the of camera stuff. set up. In that hour and a half yeah. as well, yep. too. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so I I, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, at some point, I'm going to pick it up. All right, Chris, what do you think? Having just listened and uh, been sort of listening to us gush about it for a while. Um, I mean, I I think it's I think it's cool for for people that like that genre. Um, I it's really awesome the kind of cooperative, kind of just chill way that you could play it. You know, just sitting there with a bunch of friends on the couch doing it. That that's very different from miniature games so it intrigues me uh i don't know if it's something i would pick up just because it's not a genre i enjoy but i would definitely like somebody brought it to a party or it was like hey let's play this i was like sure i'll do it and i would highly recommend it (laughs) if you knew someone that had it it's so fun yep yeah all right Um, well yeah that's yeah that's it you're looking for a narrative more gaming horror experience man this game's great yep i fully support it and definitely recommend it um, all right. Well, uh, if you uh, like what you heard, come hang out with us on our Discord because our Discord is awesome. Not because of us, but because of the people that are on it. Um, and if you really liked what you heard and you want to support us through Patreon, we have one of those. Uh, Patreon.com slash three men in a war game. We are on all of the social medias, so you can find us there. Uh, been quiet on them lately, but... Uh, not so much uh, going forward. And then thanks to Static City for the awesome music at the top and bottom of the show. And whatever you do, don't look back. <laughs> Bye! Ah.